everybody. This is Gabe Estel. Welcome to Rock and Roll Shinsu Chu, episode number 106. I'm here with my co-hosts Jonathan Getz and Dennis Levi Leach. How's it going, fellas? Amazing. Cheers. Glad to, mm-hmm. glad to hear it. Hope everybody's staying self, healthy and safe. Uh, I'm here uh, at my uh, the night, my cabin in the woods here. <laughs> You're Just hiding kidding. out, man. Uh, <laughs> right, I am. I am. It is. It is. It's we cannot me. disclose this. Um, this is Ron Swanson. No, this is a, this is an this is an undisclosed location. Please don't tell anyone. Um, uh, but the wife, the the Wi-Fi signal's still working, so I'm with you, folks. Um, tonight, uh, we're going to continue our marathon uh, episode that started back in 2016. Just kidding, but uh, it was it was quite a while back. September of um, 19. <laughs> Yes, um, of the 100 things that we're um, uh, grateful for in, in baseball and music. Um, so we're going we're gonna to continue with that tonight. And also, actually, it's probably a good time to get going with this topic since we, we don't have any baseball and we don't have any live music right now. The two, the two, things, two cornerstones of this, of this podcast people cannot experience right now. So, um, so hey, I don't. I don't feel bad about um, keeping the countdown rolling, and thanks for hanging with I'll us. I'll drag this along uh, if I have to. <laughs> right. That's right. That's right. Um, so we're going to continue tonight. We're like in our thirties, I believe, with these these entries, and I hope uh, I hope you're having fun with them. Um, I want to remind everybody before we jump in, you can uh, get everything rock and roll Shinsu Chu at rockchu.com. And uh, also, you can follow us on the Twitter and the Instagram at RockInChu, right? That's in as in you will never know my location. Um, That's the best I can do. Um, And then uh, also uh, like us on Facebook and uh, you can consume this podcast any of your on YouTube, uh, Apple podcast or any of your favorite podcast apps. But yeah, just go to rockchew.com and you can you can get get it'll take you where you need to go. All right. Anyway, so uh, who wants to start, guys, tonight? You can start, Anybody? neighbor. You sure? Okay. Yeah. All right. This one, this one, I kind of um, a lot of these, you know, <laughs> considering I, I I wrote this list when the world was a very different place. Uh, um, so I've I've kind of like been going back over some of these entries and kind of you know sort of shaping molding them. A little, a little yeah, more to my liking. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm like, ah, what was I thinking? <laughs> yeah, good for you. Good for you. You're the, you're the purest of the bunch. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, well, on uh, this is this is mine were similar. So I was like, well, those are kind of okay. similar things. So like, I was like, I'll right. try to change it. But yeah. And a couple of them, as I mentioned, like I, I changed my mind. I'm like, well, I got to thinking about this. I'm like, I don't know if I am that grateful for it or I'm grateful for a different aspect of it. But anyway, um, t- this one could probably go off on a couple different tangents, but um, I'll, 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 I'll see where it takes us. I had originally put in the erosion of guilty pleasures, right, as the entry. And let me tell you what I, I, I mean by that. Um, the, the term guilty pleasure is often applied, as we know, to... Um, a behavior, or in 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 the context of 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 entertainment, you know, some some form of popular entertainment, whether it's 
you know, a movie that's so bad that you like it or so bad it's good or, or a song or album or band or whatever. And I see some of that fading away and I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. Um, I think part of this phenomenon of the erosion of guilty pleasures centers around availability, right? Mm-hmm. We can queue up any tune we want, right? I mean, we're living in an age of, and I'll talk about this a little bit later in one of my other entries. The consumer has won, guys. Let's put it that way. I mean, for better or worse, like, if yeah. you're a fan of something, you like, you've got it fucking made right now. <laughs> you know, I mean, you can, you can, you can pull up any music video you want you can listen to any song you want if you don't right. have a subscription you can find it somewhere else right but, yeah, same thing same with, with you know movies, that episode of tv shows yeah 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 you yeah. used to be like well you know remember that one episode of the golden girls where they did this and you're like <laughs> here it is right like, video games so, any video, video game games, oh, yeah 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 etc right so you can queue up any tune including a guilty pleasure right so prior to the advent of streaming, or at least iTunes, where you know you had to pay a dollar for it, right? So you can make a dollar investment in that song that you don't want to tell anybody you like. Guilty pleasures, prior to the advent of streaming and, and iTunes, right? But streaming even more so now. Guilty pleasures were guilty pleasures because we couldn't indulge in those pleasures very often, right? I mean, you'd hear the tune on the radio and you'd be like, oh, yeah, I don't want to tell anybody I love this, but I'm going to crank it up. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, like cough, roll with the changes, REO Speedwagon. Right. Um, which <laughs> I, I start I start every run with before I get into a podcast I'm listening to. I, I start every run with roll with the changes. So, you know, that about me. Right. Any time it's 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 my favorite workout song. Um so, you know, you heard the tune on the radio or maybe you heard it at a wedding reception or like a holiday party or a school dance back in the day. So now you can scratch your guilty pleasure itch anytime you like. Right. So therefore, kind of like, is it even a guilty pleasure anymore? Do guilty pleasures even exist? Right. I mean, we don't you don't often hear the word guilty pleasure anymore because there are there are avenues right now that tailor to our guilty pleasures, right? There are one hit wonder radio stations, right? right. I mean, you can you can listen to on Pandora or Sirius or or yeah, whatever, whatever, right? I mean, you you can have that station. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, also you know, um, movies that are so bad they're good, right? I used to feel like that was like a straight to video thing. Now it's. Um, it's part of the lexicon, you know, like the movie The Room that everybody's like, oh, this movie's so shitty. It's 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 brilliant, you know. Um, yeah. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> right, right, yeah. yeah, 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 campy, right, you know, kitsch, camp, irony, right, it's all, irony, it's all yeah. in. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it's, it's yeah. the culture of irony, right, and it's been going on for a while now. It's not going to stop anytime soon. So you don't really have these guilty pleasures that much anymore. Um Here's why I think it's 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 an okay thing, right? Or it's a good thing, I should say. Um, I know I'm getting old when I begin a kid, kid begin a sentence with kids today, but kids today, right? Um, <laughs> they've got the ability to make music that other generations didn't have that opportunity, right? Like, will they? Probably not. But like with streaming. A kid today, like in his or her bedroom, their bedroom, right? They've got a, they basically got a virtual library card that the three of us didn't have, 
right? Mm-hmm. Like we we had to we had to discover the tune on the radio. We had to hear it on MTV. Then we had to go and buy it, right? Which you could argue on the other end of the spectrum that was more meaningful. That was a better time, and I don't disagree with those arguments necessarily. But I'm just talking about the other side of the coin here. I'm hopeful. Because I believe that there is some, a lot of genre bending going on right now in popular music. And that's not to say I like all pop, new pop music or even listen to it that often. But I will say I'm fascinated by it. And I find some of it really adventurous, right? Like, it's pop music is much weirder than it was mm-hmm. 20 years ago when you had, like, NSYNC and the Backstreet Boys and Britney Spears and, you know, like what, what we consider quote unquote pop music. You know, it's 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 much weirder and darker and lo-fi now that mm-hmm. that and I don't like all of it, but I find it fascinating. I mm-hmm. find it fascinating that it's popular. So there's got to be some kids out there with a Spotify account or a YouTube channel, which pretty much every kid has that that I, I'm hopeful because I think those kids are going to produce some music that doesn't speak to guilty pleasures and that blends all of these different types of things. I mean, there's going to be some kids out there that are like, yeah, we're going to start a band and our influences are Hall & Oates, Slayer, and Migos, right? And that's mm-hmm. okay. That's, fuck, that's good. That gives me hope. You know, we don't know if it can't be done because we haven't heard it yet. So I, I know I started with the erosion of guilty pleasures, and maybe this wasn't quite a linear path to where I'm going now, but I hope you guys see where I'm going. Mm-hmm. Um, that That I think this erosion of guilty pleasures is is a good thing um and i think that guilty pleasures are going to become a thing of the past because we've got the opportunity to indulge them and and do a lot of different things with them so that's that's my point right on yeah i appreciate that yeah Yeah, i uh i had to explain to my seven-year-old daughter that there was a time where there was basically one channel that showed movies and it was called hbo and you didn't get mm. to pick what you watched. It was whatever they were showing at that time of the day. So yeah. you had to. Right. right. <laughs> She's just like, <laughs> yeah. 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 But, 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 you know, today or so, yeah. yeah. I was just going to say, they're, they've never experienced a world where what they want, whether music or movies or TV, just isn't at their fingertips. So to, to them, it's right. like complete. Right. It's like it's like saying the sky is purple or whatever. They're like, huh? They're like, you you couldn't just watch whatever you wanted, whatever you wanted, or listen to whatever song you wanted to listen to right this second. Yeah. My daughter does that now. She has like favorite little Disney songs or whatever, and she pull them up right on the tablet. Boom! I want to hear it. Here it is. Boom. And right, and right. To, to try to think that our lives were totally different than that. A makes me think I'm really old, but we're not that old, which is the crazy thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. How, how yeah. much will it change? Like you said, it, it is eroding, but partially, I think part of it is the guilty pleasures are are changing. They're evolving. Yeah. As well. You yeah. Know? Right. Right. Whereas what and we people aren't embarrassed about them anymore. True. You know? Right. Yeah. 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 And and with Susanna, I mean, she'll always have like there'll always be new music that like you're not into that she'll probably like, no matter how much you try to influence her and be like, oh, here's these Nick Drake records I want you to listen to. You know, I mean, like, I don't know, maybe that, that might not be a good idea for a teenager. You She'll become instant emo, basically. <laughs> um, but um, but um, but, you know, she could she'll discover things that like 
you had to hear from a friend or like you had to hear from me or Jonathan or right. you had to hear from, you know what I mean? Or some whatever um, you had to find it in a record store and she won't have to do that. Which kind of makes me hopeful because she might be like, she might come home one day and be like, Dad, have you heard the Commodores? They're fucking amazing. You know what I mean? You'll be like, yeah, they are, you know? How I'll do you pull know the that? Commodore like, well, section of my vinyl out and be like, here. Yeah, exactly. So I'm, I'm hopeful. I mean, there's going to be so much more genre bending. And I mean, I've, I've probably overused that term already, but it, it's, I don't know, it, it's, it's, I think it's going to go to some interesting places, really. And um, all of the availability of music is, is, you know, don't get me wrong. Like, I, I'll, I'll say all the counter arguments. You know, it's, it's the artists don't get paid as much as they used to. And that sucks. And I, that, I hate that. And, but, you know, but it's opening up a lot of avenues for people to expose, to, to get exposed to so much music and to put their music out there as well. It's like anybody can get a SoundCloud account, you know, um, that uh, it's, 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 it's going to go in some really interesting places. And I'm, I'm kind of even a little excited about it. Yeah. I, I, I think that you touched upon it. Um, the, the next big step is, is living in like a post irony world where there you go. It's, it's, um, uh, no longer, you know, like, oh, we can, yeah, we can, we can rock the seals and croft because it's, it's fun, but in an ironic sort of way, but just like, no, appreciating the, the, mm-hmm. the, the song craft for what it is, even though it might include elements that you aren't used to listening to. And, you know, if you're mm-hmm. listening to like nine inch nails, the other eight hours out of the day, but still not being ashamed yeah of, right of, right of right. understanding what it takes to appreciate both and um and and once yeah i think that now the, these music producers you know in their in their homes or living rooms or, or or bedrooms or whatever start to produce this music in a post irony world then like the true genuine nature starts to shine and mm-hmm. and and we're yeah we're all the richer for it yeah, I agree. And it, what, if I could to piggyback on what you're saying, if I could put one more point on it, um, I'm hopeful because you, you gave that Seals and Croft example and people are like can appreciate it in a different way. You know, it's not just like a AM gold tune, you know, <laughs> I'm hopeful that like some of the labels will start to fade. Like, I don't like the term 80s music because I think it devalues the music, mm-hmm. you know, um, a little bit. Um, I. I like the genre. I mean, I should say, I'm sorry. I like the decade and I, I appreciate the eighties much more than I used to of music. And I think, I think Eddie trunk was, was talking about this a little bit and he often says it about hair metal, how he doesn't like the term, you know, because he feels like, you know, yeah. it's, it, it, it's, it's making fun of the music. It's judging it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. Right. And I get that too with eighties a little bit, you know, and the, the example that I use, one of my favorite albums in recent years is play deep by the outfield. Right. Um, and to a lot of people, like, oh, that's good for an 80s record. You know what I mean? And it's like, no, 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 it's just, it's it's a great record. Um, so I, I hope we start to reconsider some of those labels, and in a few years, they mm-hmm. won't they won't kind of have a negative connotation attached to them, you know? Yeah, yeah, we're getting there, man. It's all still, this is all still so young, this whole music thing. That's what's mm-hmm. exciting. And that, yeah, 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 I'm stoked about it. <laughs> like, where it can right. go. So I, I know I... <laughs> 
I, I know I, I don't sound like the old fart that I did a few years ago, um, you know, but because I'm just I don't know, I'm, 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 I'm a little I'm kind of hopeful on where 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 things are going to head. I, I think mm-hmm. I think there's some interesting things going on. They won't maybe have like the impact and you might not necessarily, you know, like when we were growing up and prior to us, you know, have all these rock bands headlining arenas. You may it may not look like that, mm-hmm. um, but but it's success is going to look a little bit different, you know, in terms mm-hmm. of sales and and reach and influence and things like that. But, um, there's going to be, uh, there's going to be a lot of branches on that tree, you know, mm-hmm. looking awesome. forward to yeah. it. Good one. Well, yeah. it, it's a really good segue into my first one, which, um, mm-hmm. you know, Gabe was talking about how, how we had to consume music in our day. And, um, one of the ways was we had to go to a store and physically walk in and pick up the music and take it to a register and buy it. And, um, Mm-hmm. My junior and senior year of high school, we started this thing where I believe it was on what release day back then was what Tuesdays? Tuesdays, yeah. Back then, yeah, it used yeah. to be on Tuesdays. Back then, and, it only know. changed like three years ago. Uh, <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. Well, right, you think about right. it, Tuesdays is pretty stupid for a release day. It is. It is. Um, it's mainly Fridays. It's fr- It's just kind now, of Fridays now. Right? It's mostly. I, mean, I guess it's, it's yeah. mostly Fridays. Yeah. Mostly Fridays. Yeah. yeah. And so um on Tuesdays we would go we would skip our lunch at school. We would skip school and fly down Route 4 to Best Buy to see the new releases. And mm-hmm. you know, I wouldn't always buy anything, but one of us usually always did. And it was just one of those experiences where I'll never forget it because a you know, you were skipping school and then you just the whole you got to go to a store and hold the music and look at it and everything. And then in the mid nineties, late nineties, this would have been what? 98 to like 97 to 99 basically would have been the period. Mm -hmm. Um, There weren't gobs of winners as far as studio records during that period. Mm -hmm. I can remember one of, one of my strikeouts was I was really hyped for the Eric Clapton Pilgrim record that came out and it fucking sucked. <laughs> that makes yeah. one of us. That's when he kind of turned. Yeah. Yeah. And then um yeah, I, the, the big the big hit off that song was in my father's eyes. I was like, ah. Oh. Yeah. But we were just me and my buddy Ben were just buying it. If his father it heard that song, I'd hope he'd be disappointed in him. Anyway, Ooh, go on. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we were just buying it. Well, we're never getting clapped in now, Gabe. And and that was just yeah. a, it was that age where we couldn't preview the album. We had no freaking clue what it was going to sound like. You know yeah, what I mean? It was going to be from the Cradle yeah. Part 2. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. And, so, and then uh, I remember we did the when By Your Side came out, man. And while at the time I liked By Your Side some, sure. it was a little bit of a disappointment, you know, as well. Yeah. And then oh, we, um, could, we could do a whole episode on that <laughs> shit. Don't get us started, man. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I guess you, I, I was going to ask if you guys have any experiences kind of doing that, but you guys are probably kind of too far from Springfield to try to skip school and get to Best Buy and back in an hour. Yeah. It no. would have been difficult. <laughs> um, no. Yeah. I've, I've got similar examples. I mean, by your side, you just mentioned is one of them. Um, you know, I, it, 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 yeah, we could just like, by your side. I was going to say, we'll just f- go straight to like new releases that you guys got that you were like mm-hmm. disappointed in. Then, 
we well, could. I, I, I've described, I've described by your side before. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Levi, I've described by, by your side before as the Phantom Menace effect. You know, you were so jazzed because a new Star Wars movie came out. Yeah, yeah. And then about the third time you watched it, you're like, hmm, okay. <laughs> that was how I felt about By Your Side. My yeah, favorite yeah. band releases a, an album, their first in about four years, but at, like the apex of my fandom for them. And then it turns out to be basically, it sounds like, scraps from Aerosmith's nine lives that they left on the cutting room floor. Yeah. Yeah. The Coke, the Coke ran out about halfway through that record. You can hear it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. Jonathan, are there any, do you remember any specific like purchases back in the day where you were like, huh? After you got, yes, yes, it was, um, Mara's float away with the Friday night gods. Yeah, 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 I have that, yeah. that album as well. Yeah, Mirage, yeah. Mirage yeah. discography before that album and after that album is wonderful. Yeah. That album in particular, produced by no less than Bruce Springsteen, no, is right. garbage. <laughs> they, Dude, they God. just, they, they got too cute. They, they just got a little too cute. <laughs> maybe I'll, maybe I'll revisit it. <laughs> but and see if it's still. No, I remember when I got into Raw and I got like their whole discography. I went to put that one on and it was just like, huh? <laughs> well, and that that scared me off of them. And then um, several years later, I spun the few albums that they that they released after that, and they're all great. They're all great <laughs> albums after that. They're they're all. I mean, I'm not going to say they're all kids in Philly, but they're all very very good albums. Yeah. Um. But but no, you're right. Yeah. We we couldn't. Um, uh, as, uh, I, I I didn't you know have the balls to skip school uh, certainly um, to to go in on release day so I would have them brought to me like Anthony Potter I remember bringing me Vitology when when Pearl Jam's Vitology was released like I remember him handing it to me at the um, at my front door and and mm-hmm. um, uh, although I, I did already have the vinyl because that vinyl was released two weeks earlier. Um, but, uh, it was, uh, um, it was, it was a treat nonetheless, uh, you know, on, on release day, uh, mm-hmm. even if you couldn't make it to the store. Yeah, it was, always a, it was always a really good time. That was just one thing I always, always loved about, you know, music and everything was the ability to, um, just discover things like that. And like I said, we were in such an age where you couldn't preview anything, really. Like they had, like I mentioned in the one of the past episodes, like Sam Goody in some of those places had the little wall where you could like throw some headphones on and hear like a clip of a song. Mm-hmm. But like there mm-hmm. was no way to preview whole albums. Like they're like you could listen to someone's whole record before you even decide to stream it or pay for it now. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's yeah. just insane. Yeah, yeah, there's no surprise fact. That's for sure. I mean, you would have yeah. the single, obviously, leading up to the release. Yeah, of, right. Um, which right. You, would, you would hope to catch on the radio. Um, but, and maybe that's, gosh, maybe that could be a thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the first time hearing a new single. Um, uh, but yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Well, no, that's good. That's and good. Now, and now bands, like, you know, they can't really keep the lid on anything like they used to. You know? I mean, it, it either... It either gets out or just the way the, the way the machine works now. They fucking got to put the whole thing. You know, they'll have a free. They'll they'll, they'll put it on NPR for a week before it right, before it right, gets released in stores right. or on Pitchfork or Consequence of Sound or something. 
Yeah. Um, so it's tough. Yeah, I got cut you off, Gets. Go ahead, man. I'm sorry. No, I think that uh, I think you're right. And but at the same time, you do get bands who just drop albums out of nowhere with no pretense, with no um, uh, with no no announcement announcement ahead of time. And that's kind of fun, too. But I, I do like the lead up to the release. Yeah, like, uh, I like the I, way well, and that and I just the way the way albums were built up. Mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. we were of age to buy records then you know at the stores in our high school days like you like you said they would drop a single then you might see a promo clip on mtv or vh1 right they, they might right. start you know then you might start hearing some interview clips on the radio right. or something and then like it was like it all hyped you up to get into the album mm-hmm. whereas loader like hyping people you know yeah like, like nowadays <laughs> yeah, right. that's, it seems like that's just gone I it mean, is. they they attempted the, the, to do promotion, it with like the promotional videos machines just and stuff, there. but yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I, I could tell well, and you. Also, I, yeah, I, I I could name you know release dates, exact release dates um, throughout my teens for some of my favorite records, but I couldn't name you one release date since I turned nineteen. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> well, Levi, on on that note, Levi, I mean, now the um, the sort of one of the promotional trends is to is to drop the album unannounced you know i mean that's that's kind of the the new way to generate any promotional buzz since all those old avenues that we were you were just talking about are dead um you know you all of a sudden you'll read like oh you know beyonce drops uh, an album unannounced you know you you almost kind of to sort of capture the attention you've kind of sure kind of got to do that now you know yeah it's the anti-press release yeah 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 Right. Strange. <laughs> uh, good one. Right on. Well, I will um, I will shift over to baseball. And um, <clears throat> so one uh, of my favorite childhood memories is sitting in the kitchen on a Sunday morning while my parents made brunch and I would pour over the Sunday newspaper sports sections full roster of baseball mm-hmm. stats speckled with bacon grease as it sizzled on the nearby mm-hmm. griddle. Of course, the, you know, the Sunday section wasn't just the top 10 hitter, top 10 leaders in home runs and ERA. Rather, this was a page devoted entirely to the stats of all qualified batters and pitchers separated between the American and the National Leagues. Um, uh, Gabe, is that you typing? Okay. <laughs> sorry. Oh, yes. I'm sorry. 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 Go on. <laughs> Cool. I'm listening. I'm listening. I swear. It was it was getting uh, a little drum circulation. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Sometimes forget that. Anyway, I'll, I'll put myself on mute. I'll put myself on mute while you are speaking. Go. That's cool. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> so, so, you know, and, and uh, batters were, uh, I think they were sorted by batting average, and then uh, pitchers were sorted by ERA, uh, I think. And but, you know, it's funny because 11 year old brains are, you know, very strange and formative and you could comb through the stats, but you could also just kind of stare at the entire page and absorb it all just by mm-hmm. osmosis. And re- <laughs> and you could recall it later to entertain yourself while just like daydreaming in an American history class. So there were a few routes I, you know, you could take when reading the, these stats. You know, personally, I'd first note how many batters from the Red Sox were in the top 10 or 20, Boston being my favorite team at the time. Wade Boggs, staple in the top five, of course. 
Um, on the pitcher side, I check how far Roger Clemens strikeout total was ahead of the other top pitchers in the leagues. Uh, usually far, far ahead. Uh, so yeah. early. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, early in the season, I'd look for those hitters who who started hot and broke into double digits and home runs and RBI because I didn't consider a season officially underway until a player made it to 10 home runs. You needed double digits. So in the middle of the season, I'd cross-reference the leading all-star vote-getters with uh, these stats to look for any injustices. Late in the season, I'd always look for the statistical extremist that was Rob Deere down at the bottom of the list of batters, <laughs> sorted by batting average, but usually with more than 20 or 25 dingers. And and this is what got me through the junior high school day. And this is what started uh, this was the start of a, a long love affair with baseball stats that would evolve into my devotion to uh, podcasts like Effectively Wild, uh, which I listen to a few times a week today. So, yeah, the Sunday sports sections, full roster of baseball stats. That's one of my favorite things. Oh, yeah, that's awesome, dude. I uh, I remember those, man. Back when the actual the newspaper was worth getting. <laughs> Yeah, um, it's wrapping right. now, but yeah. yeah, nowadays in Springfield, it's like eight pages or something. It's yeah, right. can they even afford to run those stats even anymore? Right. I don't know. Yeah, it was yeah. Uh, it was pretty impressive because not only would they have like that with the baseball, you could find like you know all the boxing stats and like they'd have horse racing like breakdowns oh, yeah. and like yeah. like the right. sports section the was like its own yeah. newspaper. It was yeah. like thick. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, man. Those those were the heydays. I uh I missed that era, you know, I always, for sure. I always liked the the journal the the font that the journal register used mm-hmm. for the standings as well. Mm-hmm. It it might be kind of a universal font. I mean, you know more about fonts than know. me gets, but but um it, it was a good font. It was a little different. It reminds me of my grandparents, you know, because I'd always sure. I'd always pour pour over the stats with my grandpa. Um but yeah, it was uh it was a rich time. Uh, again, in, in in the age where you couldn't just hop online and pull up baseball reference, right? Right. <laughs> These damn right. kids nowadays—they got it so easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I check the the. I, I can choose the font I want for for my uh, for my standings, <laughs> right? right. And, uh, and 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 see how Rob Deere, you know, <laughs> fared against left-handers at 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 you know, one twenty-six. PM every 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 other Saturday, you know, right? only in yeah. league stadiums. Right? Yeah, right. I would like to right. know Rob Deere's exit velocity. That's for sure. <laughs> God, you guys are gonna you guys are gonna have me looking up Rob Deere interviews all night. I'm God. I, I mean, he's still alive. You know, I gotta. Yeah, shit, that's the get. Yeah. God, somebody, we need to get him. Get him. Get Deer. Deer, if you're listening, you're get on the show. <laughs> I think he's in Tiger right. King or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I want to, I, I like guys, I want to come up with an all animal like team names, you know, of players, right? Like Lance Bass, right? Sure. Mike Trout, Rob Deere. Anyway, Tim Salmon. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe the list isn't as long as I'd like it to be, but. <laughs> Anyway. I'll think. I'll think on it. <laughs> Jimmy Fox, uh, right? <laughs> right. 
the panda bear. Uh, what's his name? The third right. baseman for the Giants. Yeah. Oh, Sandoval. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's just a nickname, I guess. But uh, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Anyway. Anyway, your turn, Gabe. <laughs> okay. Oh, back to me. All right. Um, you know, up until about four or five years ago, I had lost some interest in the acoustic guitar. That isn't to say that, like, you know, classic rock songs that used it, I, I don't cherish, or how some of my favorite bands were using it, um, I, uh, I, I, that I didn't like still, you know. But I, I had started to lose interest in kind of just how it sounded and that whole singer-songwriter thing. It all, it all just started to blend together into some shitty Jack Johnson soup to me, you know. I just, um, and don't even get me started on a mandolin, you know, like a, save a save a Steve Earle number or R.E.M. song or an old Rod Stewart tune, I, I could do without a mandolin, right? <laughs> um, and, and and you know, I, I like just, as I've said before, I, I, I have no desire in hearing Eddie Vedder play a fucking ukulele, all right? I love Pearl Jam. They're one of my favorite <laughs> bands, but I just, I ain't into it yet, all right? <laughs> like, plug this uh, shit in. <laughs> yes. <laughs> then I started to, um, well, I think two things happened. Um, um, I heard John Martin, um, who, as I've talked about on the show, I pretty much have a perpetual boner for John Martin's music, right? I think he's amazing. I think I've probably, you guys maybe have heard it before I mentioned it, but it seems like you guys have recognized how great Thin Air is, or Solid oh, yeah. Air, excuse me. Oh, yeah, yeah, you, uh, yeah, you Thin Air, I'm thinking of Pearl Jam. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> on the brain. Uh, I, this is a good acoustic song, by the way. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, so I heard that, right? Um, oh, you're saying Thin Air? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, I heard that. And then, um, so, you know, that, obviously, I, I mean, I heard him probably about 10 years ago. And that started to get me into the British kind of folk stuff, you know, beyond Nick Drake, you know. Like, started her, you know, John Rimborn and Burt Janch and... Mm-hmm. You know, all those cats. And then a um, few years after I heard John Martin, um, I heard Riley Walker. And, you know, immediately I was like, oh, well, this this guy sounds a lot like John Martin. And uh, and there now is kind of this revival of that kind of British folk sound um, that I really, really like. And it, it's not always folky. You know, the, the guys are... are there's a lot of young guitarists right now that are, are doing really, really great stuff with the acoustic guitar. And it's not in the singer songwriter vein, you know, it doesn't sound like Jack Johnson or Ben Harper's acoustic stuff, which I like Ben Harper, but is put him in an acoustic guitar. And I, yeah, I, I, I tune out. Um, I, I'm talking about like Riley Walker, William Tyler, who's great. Um, Steve Gunn, you know, play, these guys play electric too, some, you know, so I'm not, but like, you know, they've, 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 they kind of made their mark with the acoustic guitars and have since evolved. Um, uh, they were certainly, you can tell all of them are influenced by the British folk people that I just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, James Blackshaw, Charles Rumback. There's another cat named Trevor Gordon Hall. That's really good. Um, I will William Tyler really stands out to me mm-hmm. uh, 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 the most among among all those I mentioned. So I, I feel like these there's some young guitarists, you know, most of the people that I mentioned are under 40 
Um, and they're they're really just they're just doing some really great stuff with an instrument that I had kind of written off, you know. So that's that's my interest. I, th- I think these I think they're just doing really really great stuff, um, and I, I can't wait to hear what they're all going to do next. So new folk. That's that's it. Yeah, new, new folk. New exactly. Folk. Yeah, and and and. and, and, and who knew Gabe at one time was Bluto from Animal House? <laughs> it's like, ah! <laughs> oh, good reference. Um, yeah, yeah, I can't top that one. But um, and, and I guess you guys know what I'm saying. Just like, I, I just felt like, oh, you yeah. know, singer-songwriter thing, kind of goose to guitar, kind of run its course. Like, it all it, just For sounded... sure, I agree with you. Like, there was, like you said, there was that period where it was like Jack Johnson and Ben Harper and stuff. And then it just like those guys kind of faded away. And then it just started everything. Like you said, started kind of sound the same with other people. Yeah. And so it, I've heard, I have one of those, um, I have the Steve Gunn record, the, the mm-hmm. gentleman you mentioned, and it's excellent. I'm trying to remember the name of it. Uh, it's like, it's not way out West, but it's, um, cause that's Marty Stewart. Right. <laughs> um, it's something like that, though. Um, yeah, but yeah, he, I know what excellent. you're talking about. Um, I, I was very, uh, very pleased with it. The name of that record is Way Out Weather. Yeah, oh, oh, it's go. good. It's really good. And, yeah, and you know, and Gunn can play, record. like, he plays a mean electric guitar, too, you know. It's yeah, just, yeah. He, but he, yeah, um, he's great. And, um, you know, an, a, an older cat, uh, older than all those cats that we just mentioned, um, you know, Tim Reynolds as well. Like I've really, you know, I, um, you know, sometimes when people think, Oh, Tim Reynolds, Dave Matthews is the other piece of that. Um, but I really dig all of Tim Reynolds solo stuff, you know, and it's, he's, that's like, to me, that's like, uh, that's like hearing a, a Steve Howe acolyte, you know, um, mm-hmm. listening to Tim Reynolds to me. Oh, yeah. Tim Reynolds uh, is a freaking master of acoustic yeah. guitar. I, I, the 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 one as I mentioned the one that really stands out to me is I really really like William Tyler I think um, what he's doing is uh, is is he's he's playing the acoustic guitar like I've never heard anybody play it or people haven't played it like that in a long time or yeah well, he's he's I listened to he really uh, stands out I listened to his Third Man Records recording uh, live oh, at the oh. Third Man Studios uh, yeah. a couple weeks ago yeah it's very good yep. yeah oh yeah. Yeah, check it out. Absolutely. Riley Walker is a pretty funny um, Instagram, Twitter personality, too. If you um, if you um, this is I I mean, I think this is like he he's recently gotten sober. um, So, you know, just I don't know, new perspective when you get sober, you know, and, you know, he's pretty funny. um, And he's like, here's a picture of me um, next to. Uh, and it was he he like played like a British folk festival or something like ten years ago, you know. And uh, he's like, here's a picture of me next to it. It was Nick Drake's mom's grave. She's like, he's like an her emo son. She's like... <laughs> 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 and it's just like I'm sure the guy likes it, Greg. It was just funny the way he phrased it. He also like had a story on there like that same trip to England. Like he he. Uh, Donovan was headlining, I guess, the the festival that he played. 
and like he stole all of Donovan's beer, I guess. And like Donovan's grandson is like Donovan's manager or person now. That, yeah, like, yeah. Tour stuff. manager. Yeah, and like like Donovan's like son, grandson wanted to kick his ass. It's, it was. It's pretty, it's it, he's he's a good he's he's funny. Riley Walker's funny. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> he's like it shows like one two one more. He was like it showed him picture of him getting a manicure. You know, this is like pre. You know, when you could get a manicure a couple of months ago, he's like, well, he's like getting the nails done so I can pick the guitar for you fucking simpletons. He's, <laughs> he's, he's just, his his sobriety has has brought out his his sense of humor even more. And it's just, he's, he's he's a fun he's a fun follow. I, I recommend following Riley Walker on Twitter and then Instagram. All right. Yeah. And that kid can play too. There's, there's, there's. The, he he tears it up. As Primrose Green is one of my favorite records of the last Very 10 good. years. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm gonna take it over back to baseball. Um, one of the things that I'm definitely most grateful for in my life was the 1989 Chicago Cubs. <laughs> I, we've we've talked about them before on this podcast a million times in other episodes, whether it was Rookie of the Year Jerome Walton or whatnot but um the 89 cubs were the apex of i remember 84 when the cubs went to the division championship because i was so dude i was so little i would have been i would have been three or four years old when that happened and you were calling wow because i remember grown adults crying they lost to the and and i think when i think when you're a kid and you see like a room of like 50 or 100 grown adults start sobbing you always will remember it. <laughs> yeah, that's and true. That so, was a loss to San Diego, right, quick. Levi? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Levi, it was Levi. they lost to the, the Padres, right? Yes, it was to the Padres, and not just one loss. They were up, what, like three games to none or something, and then lost them all in a row. Well, not, not 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 three to none, because that had never happened or, yeah, until no, the eighth. Yeah, because they were, but. yeah. But it, it was... So I can remember that. I mean, do I remember every play of the game or anything? No. But, like, I can remember the 84 Cubs. I can remember being hyped about them. And then I remember it all crashing down. And so by 1989, I was eight. So I was, you know, a lot more aware and, you know, into baseball at that point. I had collected Mm -hmm. cards for two or three years at least by that point. And so – they were my team, man. It was like I remember I remember going to B&J Coin Shop and buying the 89 Tops Cubs team set back when they would sell them there. Like they would like hand collate the set, you know what I mean? And then put mm-hmm. it in a little baggie. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it was just, you know, they called them the boys of Zimmer <laughs> back then. Yeah. And it, they were just a great team. And it was just one of those things where – it was my first like love of baseball was the 89 Cubs. They were Levi, would you consider them when you when you compare them to the Giants who they lost to, were they pretty evenly matched with the Giants? I would say they were, right? Yeah, I mean, I would say they were pretty, you know, I mean, what Will Clark ended up being, I think the Cub killer in that series. But um Giants would have had Kevin Mitchell, um, mm-hmm. right? Uh Rick Rochel, right? Um who else? Who else? Like would have been the Giants' field, though, right? Yeah, like pull them up. Well, yeah, I, I'm trying to see if I can name them without. Do I mean like no, no, Mitchell, you, you and, keep Mitchell and Clark? 
Mitchell and Clark are the only people that like stand out to me on the 89 Giants who ended up losing to the A's. Um, Rick Rochel, right? Um, Uh, Robbie Thompson, Candy Maldonado. Candy Maldonado, yeah. Pat Sheridan. Yeah, yeah. Kevin Mitchell was far and ahead. Oh, I mean, between him and Will Clark. I mean, Clark and Mitchell are like the big names, though. I mean, all those other guys, they might have been contributors and had some good seasons, but like, yeah, yeah. Right? Ernie I mean, Miles like was the next best Matt player. Williams would have been on that team, too. Okay, yeah, young Matt Williams. Yeah, he was a reserve. At the beginning yeah. of his career. Jose yeah. Bay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, like, not a ton of, like, They, they were like, known like, for like, their pitching. Superstars. The pitching. Yeah. It was, like, Steve Bedrosian, Jeff Brantley, uh, Dave Trevecki, yeah. uh, Bruce okay. Gossage, uh, Rick Royschel, as you mentioned. Um, yeah. It, they, it was all about pitching, I think, with them. Okay. Yeah. And and yeah, the Cubs won, won one more game than the Giants did in that regular season, I believe. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, the, the Giants won 92 games. The Cubs, Cubs won 93 games. So, Levi, let me see if I can, as a, as a non-Cubs fan, name the starting lineup from that year, the Cubs, I will, without I will give looking you f- at it. Four hundred dollars if you do it. Oh Jesus! Okay, all right. I'll start. I I, I swear I do not have any. And you don't have to open put right order. now. Yeah. Okay. First base, Mark Grace. Right. Yeah. Um. Second base, Rhino. Obviously. Yep. Uh. Shortstop, you've got Dunstan. Yep. Third base, Vance Law. Yep. Am I right? Yep. Am I right? Okay. I'm center, center field. <laughs> Center field, you got Dwight Smith. Nope. No, but just name no? the outfielders. Just name the outfielders. Yeah, you, you don't got to name Jerome Walt. Dwight and Smith then, the plan yet? No, he was there. He was left. Okay, sorry. So, okay, I can name the outfielders. Yeah. Um, okay. Who's the last uh, outfield? Oh, Dawson. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, and then behind the plate, do you have Jody Reed? Ah, I made no, it. it. Was Jody Davis? Jody was Davis. No, 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 no. Hold on, yeah. hold on. Jody Davis was the catcher for the '84 Cubs. The catcher for the '89 Cubs. Oh, was, Barry Hill was also a rookie of the year. I was going to say, wasn't David he? Barry Hill. Yeah. Uh, he David was. Barry Hill. Yeah, he might. He was like maybe. Yeah, I think he was a rookie of the year. Was he? I don't, I don't know. Remember, he was. He was. Catcher, then it didn't. It didn't work out. Yeah, uh, yeah. Okay, so I did pretty well. I you mean, did I did. I got. Well. You had. You yeah. had everybody except for the catcher. All right, not bad. Gets. Yeah. Y'all, I almost got the you. One I you thought did, man. You, not you get did. Was Vance? I thought you would not get Vance Law, and you whipped it right out. Yeah, I saw Vance Law, <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, I'll, I'll offer you four hundred dollars right now." <laughs> and then you got, and then you named him immediately, and I started sweating. For, for some reason, I I thought I was thinking of Vance Law the other day, so that's where I think it came from. I, I think I think Vance is a pretty tough sounding name. You know, it's a pretty badass yeah. name, Vance. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't know. Is that Damon Berryhill beat out Joe Girardi for a job that year? <laughs> wow. Uh, so Girardi would have been your reserve? Yeah, Girardi was our reserve. He was one year younger than Damon Berryhill. Girardi would uh-huh. have been 24 in 89, and Berryhill was 25. Mm-hmm. 
So aside uh, from Dawson, a fairly young team, you know, I mean, Rhino would have been in his prime. Um, Rhino was 29. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Vance yeah. Walt was 32. Okay. So and, and and Dawson was 34. Yeah, it's a fun team, man. I remember that. I remember that team well. I do. I saw a game at Wrigley Field in '89. It was the first time I ever went there. Nice. Oh, yep. Yeah. Remember cool. who it was against? Cardinals. Nice. Yep. The '89 Cardinals. It was a June day, kind of rainy, kind of cold for June, but huh. Chicago, kind of typical. Um, yeah, I do. I went with James my cousin coming in about five miles an hour. Out of the <laughs> they, uh... Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was packed. I mean, they I'd only been to White Sox games. Yeah. I'd only <laughs> been to White Sox games at that point. So it was kind of, it was a foreign feeling to see a full ballpark, you know, like, I was like, oh, all right. <laughs> what? I got I got to sit in my seat. On yeah. Table? I can't yeah, just go anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The place was hopping. I'd, I'd been to maybe like two White Sox games prior to that. You know, I had, I mean, I was only like in fourth grade, so I hadn't seen a lot of professional baseball in person. It was probably only like my third or fourth game total. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure we went down to Bush that year. We would go to Bush a lot just because of the proximity. Sure. But yeah. um, and we had a bunch of like there were you know this is Cub Cardinal land here in Central Illinois so it was like we would usually be going with other people like my parents' friends and so, so half of them were Cubs fans half of them were Cardinal fans so it was always funny going down there as like a big group because half of everybody would come back kind of pissed off. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I uh, I was watching the uh, Ozark, the TV show with um, the first season, and they uh, they do you don't you, I, you, you don't really see the Cubs cards rivalry played out a lot in film or TV, and it's mentioned in Ozark. If you spoiler alert, you know, so nice. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You don't you don't see it. It's it's one of those flyover uh, mm-hmm. rivalries. Yeah. Flyover, definitely a midwestern rivalry. thing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, everybody just talks about Giants and Dodgers. Give me a break. Yankees and Red Sox, right? Right. Yeah, Yankees and Red Sox on the coast. East Coast, West Coast bias. (laughs) Anyway. Oh, uh, Levi, I looked it up. Uh, The Padres and Cubs in LCS 1984. The Cubs were up two games to none in a best of five. So it was the equivalent of being up three games to none in a best of seven. They won that first game like thirteen to one. The Cubs no, did. Yeah. So you were flying high. Oh yeah! In '84, <laughs> yeah. people were just like, literally. I have it in the other room. They thought they were going to the World Series. I have a yeah. 1984 Cubs World Series pennant. Wow! It says 1984 National League champions Chicago <laughs> Cubs, and it has the wow. whole roster name. It's called a ghost pennant. Wow! Yeah, like it should not exist, but they were wow. made. Because the I always wanted to see one of those things in person, you know. Yeah, man, that's good. Nice. Yeah, I have it framed, hanging in my room in my arcade. I think you're gonna have to send us a photo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can for yeah. sure. Yeah. All right. Well, um, uh, so I will uh, switch back to uh, music, and 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 uh, one of my favorite moments in in music was in October of 2012. Uh, Neil Young and Crazy Horse went on tour uh, and uh, played uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma as one of the stops. And being in Kansas City, I knew this was a very good stop to go see Neil and Crazy Horse up close because it was going to be general admission uh, in Tulsa. And I I knew that there wouldn't be much of a challenge. 
Were other uh, shows on the tour general admission, or was likely. that just a Tulsa thing? I think there were. That's other cool. Shows, GA. That's cool. You don't. You don't. In this in this day and age, you don't see a lot of that in arenas. But anyway, go on. Yeah, it was it was short of arena. It was a convention center technically, I think. Um, and uh, yes, the Tulsa Convention Center, and and so uh, uh, Betsy was game for uh, waking up. Uh, in and and just going to get in line outside the convention center like first thing. So we got in line around. Um, it was before noon for sure, and there was just one other couple in line. I forget if we were first or if they were first. And and uh, so yeah, we passed the day uh, just hanging out there in line in Tulsa. Mm-hmm. And 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 knowing it was Neil with Crazy Horse, I'd seen Neil before. I'd seen Neil with Crazy Horse before on the Greendale tour, but I hadn't ever seen Neil and Crazy Horse on a tour of, you know, that wasn't just going to be Greendale in its entirety. It was going to be, you know, a nice mix of Crazy Horse tunes. And so, you know, the wait, whatever that was, you know, six, seven hours, um, it was it was a pleasant it was a balmy day in Tulsa. And uh, uh, so there were phases. uh, And and this is one of the the favorite things of of just like going to a show, even though that the wait can be interminable. It's worth it. It's fun just to like, you know, to build up to the moment when you're led inside and oh, yeah. and uh, and and it's part of it. It's part of the experience. And so finally, I think, I don't know, it was afternoon after a few hours, we were led inside and they like let us wait within the convention center, which was nice because it was, you know, it, it was air conditioned and you were comfortable and and uh, there were vending machines and and. Uh, uh, but then there was a line split and this got me a little nervous. They, there were separate entrances into the convention center and they, you had to make a decision. Okay. Were we going to go to this entrance A or entrance B? And so we just, you know, we went to entrance A and that's where you wait for the next couple hours. And by the same time, somebody who showed up probably at 4 PM got it for his first in line at entrance B. So that, you know, takes you off a little bit, but you know, whatever mm-hmm. um so they open the doors and they start scanning tickets and we hear the beeping going on in entrance b but in entrance a they're having a hard time scanning oh. the tickets <laughs> and I'm like, son of a bitch you're like fuck <laughs> if this isn't fair everybody stop nobody goes in until i go in and Anyway, they uh, finally scan the ticket, and I and I just like race down. You know, you 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 go down the the lower bowl, and you, you go onto the floor. And fortunately, we were we were still front and center, hands on the on the gate, right in front of of uh, Neil's microphone. Fortunately, though, we didn't even realize that Los Lobos was the opener, so that was fun. Awesome. Um, uh, killer, killer opener. Obviously, it's always nice when the, the opener yeah. is a surprise and they're good yeah. too. Yeah, um, and I don't recall having any, uh, any idea that they were even opening. I didn't even think that there was an opener, and then they came out and played, and that was fun. Anyway, so um, the uh, but the the real f- one of the f- uh, most memorable parts of the show was that Neil used his Russ Never Sleeps set for. Uh, 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 for this tour. And and the last time I saw this set was at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And uh, these are the oversized uh, 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 amplifiers and microphone. Yeah. And uh, they, awesome. they, I mean, they're, they're gigantic and they, yeah. they, they, they go over, they aren't functional, obviously. They just kind of go over yeah. every, the, the actual guitar amps and, and, um, 
and up in the up in the ceiling was the giant microphone. And you know, there after Los Lobos plays, um, you know, there's the mic and the rafters, and there's the the road. Neil's roadies are in lab coats, and they're just like going. Um, they're walking to and fro on the stage, like miming arguments with iPads and things. <laughs> like it was a play. And then they start to bring the microphone down and it was a big, it, it was a big to do. And, and they, they place the microphone and everybody cheers and granted, and this is all the lights are up. It's just roadies on stage mm-hmm. doing all this stuff. And, uh, it was classic kind of campy Neil in that sense. And then, you know, Neil and crazy horse come out and open with love and only love. Uh, then Powderfinger. This is the Psychedelic Pill Tour, which was a is a very good album. Um, uh, I think we referenced it in the last episode, uh, Gabe, mm-hmm. when you were talking about Neil. Mm-hmm. And uh, they did Born in Ontario, Walk Like a Giant, um, which were killer, killer tunes. Walk Like a Giant was uh, pro- maybe 15 minutes long. Uh, and then Neil did uh, solo needle and the damage done, and they did uh, another new uh, new tune, uh, Twisted Road, uh, singer without a song, Ramada Inn, uh, which is a killer tune. Ramada Inn's a good tune. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and then they 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 closed up with Cinnamon Girl fucking up, Mr. Soul, and Hey Hey My My. The set was only oh, and then encored with Tonight's Tonight, and the the uh, the keyboard. Um, came down for uh, San Pedro for Poncho to play um, with the birds on, painted on the sides. and um, But just to be there, you know, front and center, and this Neil's being partially eclipsed by this giant microphone stand, which stayed out there the entire time. And just classic, you know, he's, he's hammering away on that Gibson. And uh, uh, it was it was vintage crazy horse it could have been 1977 um it could have been 1997 it was uh it it was 2012 and it was a dream fulfilled to see neil and crazy horse in such a setting to be so close and just absorb it with all of your being and yeah uh, yeah neil and crazy horse tulsa oklahoma october 14th 2012 that sounds like a like a top fiver or a top tenner at least. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I I um I will probably regret not putting it higher. <laughs> <laughs> I might I might just talk about it again actually in my top five. <laughs> you're up All first. right. So we're at we're at 58 minutes now. If you wanted to do another round, it's up to you guys. Um, yeah, what time is it? 1030? Yeah, um, fuck, I don't know. Uh, yeah, well, let's do one. Let's do one more. Let's do one more. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. You're up. Okay. Me. Wow. Okay. Um, I, uh, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna uh, switch around a little bit. This isn't on my list, but uh, I'm gonna move it, move its position. Um, I first I talked, you know, we talked at the beginning of the show a lot about the availability of 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 music and really having every song we've ever wanted at our fingertips. Um, baseball access has gotten cheaper and easier, um, and I'm grateful for that. Um, I feel like, you know, when, when I was talking about um, 
the consumer winning in the music world, it, it was a little bittersweet because, you know, the artist doesn't quite get the, you know, the, the artists don't get the record deals like they used to. And there's there's not the, you know, MTV and the radio and record stores like there used to be. And that's that's uh, that sucks. Um, but with baseball, you know, I don't I don't feel as bad about their product becoming cheaper. You know, like because their salaries are going up, quite frankly. Um, So I'm grateful for the fact that MLB access, whether it's the radio or TV apps, um, is getting cheaper and easier. You know, score one for the consumer. You know, what happened to music, TV and movie consumption has now infiltrated sports, you know, for twenty dollars for the season. I can get any baseball game I want on the radio. You know, I'm I'm a I'm a I'm a baseball on the radio type of guy. Um, not that I don't like baseball on TV, but really the only baseball I ever watch on TV is like the World Series, you know, or like the playoffs. <laughs> Other than that, I I don't watch baseball on TV. Even the White Sox, I'm it's almost an exclusive radio experience for me. Um, and when baseball does come back, I'm certainly going to miss Ed Farmer's voice. Rest in peace. I have to say, don't mm-hmm. think I acknowledged that in an episode yet, but um, that that was a big loss for 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 me and White Sox fans. Rest in peace, Farmio. Um, but you know, there's nothing better to me than like sort of being on the couch and dozing off. Uh, to like a late West Coast game, you know, that's like my idea of paradise, particularly if it's one that I don't have a lot of investment in, you know, like give me like the A's and the Mariners like on a Mm -hmm. Wednesday night, you know, and like, you know, even my wife will joke like, you know, like where the White Sox playing, I'll be like, oh, they're in Oakland for the next three days. She's like, so you're going to be crawling into bed about 1 a.m. Right. I'm like, (laughs) exactly. I'm like, if I even make it to the bed, okay. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so I, you know, um, this this availability of baseball on the radio through through apps, you know, through MLB at bat, or you know, I, I use TuneIn. Uh, I've got the TuneIn kind of pro whatever, and I can actually get any sport on the radio, just about any professional sporting event on the radio, even today through. Through the tune, no, 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 not right now. Not yeah, no. I guess I could get South Korea baseball has come back. Um, yeah, so, yeah. yeah, but uh, for a while there, it was it was a pretty golden experience. Um, <laughs> I, I've I, I say this uh, since I did cancel the subscription the other day because I don't really have that much use for it right now. Um, but then it had already charged me for like a year. You know, like I did the yearly thing, so mm-hmm. like I'm like fuck. I'm stuck with it until February, you know, <laughs> but anyway, um, cause, cause, but yeah, I, I, this, this access to, um, all the, the games on the radio for 20 bucks for the season, man, that is a flipping steal, dude. Yeah. Either feed. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if you want to practice your Spanish, like they've got it, they've got, um, Spanish yeah. station as well, usually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, either feeds, so you can, you can get, you can get different announcers, you know, you're different. Yeah. You can different, different play by play guys. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's great, man. Like 20 bucks. I mean, like you can't say there's not a value there. I mean, that's mm-hmm. insane. Yeah. Uh, you can get every baseball game on the radio for $20 for the whole season. Um, good work, MLB. I'll pat you on the back for that one. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's good stuff. 
Yeah. Now we just so. got to get him to work on those blackout things. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so. but, uh, right on, man. I uh, my last thing tonight is going to be um, an experience that Gabe was with me, and um, mm-hmm. that was me fulfilling finally getting to see uh, what I guess was the closest I ever got to see in the original lineup of the Black Crows. And that was in Chicago at the Riviera, mm-hmm. October 30th and 31st of 2005. Mm-hmm. And uh, the uh, the Black Crows so-called reunion tour, I guess, if you will. That's not really what they labeled it. What was no. it? I'm trying to remember what they called that tour, but... Um, I can't remember. Was it like a 20th anniversary tour, maybe, or something? Or no, that came a that came a few years later. Yeah, that was like 2010. Was it like all join hands? Something might like have that? been that one. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was just uh, as as someone who you know, they were like Gabe and I have talked about. The, they were kind of our lives for a few years there, yeah. the late 90s, early 2000s. It was such a fulfillment of, I don't know, you know, I'm I'm not going to say dream, but it was a fulfillment of wanting to really see that band and had never gotten the opportunity because by the time I was into them, Mark was gone, Johnny Colt was gone, you know what I mean? Like, I didn't have the opportunity to see them live. Mm-hmm. And so, to see Mark Ford step out on the stage with a guitar... And have Rich and Chris there. It was just like, oh, yeah. uh, it was just, yeah. And, and not not just to mention that, like Ed too, man, and Steve, and just the whole thing. It was, it, it was pretty magical. And those two shows were, I mean, if the Black Crows ever played two shows to kind of appease their fans, set list wise, it may yeah. have been those two shows. I don't think there were any repeats between the two nights. No, or and it was maybe, like it yeah, was like maybe deep, remedy, but that's about it. Deep fan yeah. cuts and stuff. Yeah, like, killer set list, man. Jesus, <laughs> fuck yeah, dude. Uh, Levi, those those are those are my favorite crows shows I've ever seen. Those are those are yeah. those are my favorites. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and then not to mention we got the whole bonus of it being Halloween the one night. And so we got to see the Black Crows come out as BCDC. Yeah. They were all dressed in Angus outfits, which was strange. I thought it was like <laughs> I could see if like Rich and Mark wanted to have been in those outfits, but it was yeah. like all of the guys were in Angus outfits. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, yeah, yeah. they did. Uh, they did Highway to Hell. They did Hell Ain't a Bad Place to Be and Rock and Roll Damnation. Yep, it was fucking really awesome. That was the best, dude. That oh, yeah. was. I, I'm with you, man. That was. The uh, yeah. there was I remember there was a costume contest and it right. was like, all I remember was this like smoking hot Red Riding Hood with like a wolf guy. They yeah, that's my been... buddy, man. That's my buddy Don, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like my friends won that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was... <laughs> yeah. They're not. They're not together anymore. No longer a couple. But um, but yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, yeah, if you think about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, man, that was a good that was a good two days. Yeah, fuck yeah, man, that was that was as good as it got. I mean, that the band seemed like in really good spirits too. Like the the sort of you know, as Steve talks about in his book, the it, things hadn't gotten totally weird yet. You know, with the band getting back together, right. like it seems like that that came a few months later in two thousand six. Um, yeah, that was that was. Uh, 
other than you know the 92 97 run you know that was that was as good as it gets right there oh yeah man mark ford doing la Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, dude, like, I mean, like, th- that second night or third, or the, maybe, I can't remember if it was the first or the second night, but they did, like, like in a row, they did, like, they did Feathers, they did Title Song. Um, yeah. Set two yeah. is Dreams, Song of Love by Manassas, Title Song, right. LA, Feathers. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a good show. Yeah. That's killer. Yeah, and so, you're yeah. right. It was called the uh, the All Joint Hands Tour. Okay. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, it's something I'll always remember, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> why Why didn't you guys goad me into coming up, man? Yeah, <laughs> you should have came up for those, dude. That was, that hey, was the best. Was like, Thank you. Yeah. It was pretty good, yeah. The yeah. night before, too, the 30th was really the 30th good, too. was excellent, too. Both yeah. those yeah. are excellent. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I still listen to those shows. Like, I those are yeah. those. We are got the instant live while we were yeah, there. Right? We did the right. we did the instant right. live, and then promptly yeah. took it back to your house and ripped me and Dan a copy of it. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> I mean, you you we that was that was a interesting concept. You know, they had going there. You uh, yeah. it was you know freenugs.net. So you uh, yeah, I remember it was, it was a ro- it was road cases mm-hmm. that they had put CD burners in. Yep. And so it yep. was like they wheeled in road cases, opened them up, plugged them all in to like computers and power. And it was crazy. Yeah. It was like <laughs> and just a good vibe. I mean, you know, all the diehards in line getting those discs, you know, like it was yeah. like the fans that were there that night. Like, yeah, you know, it, was, it was a good crew. It was a real fucking deal, man. Yeah, yeah, that was. Yeah, everybody was jacked, man. It When Mark came back, it changed everything. I mean, I remember. um when that when they when a few months earlier in that spring when mark came back um they played those like little shows as mr crow's garden they played like four or five shows you know mm-hmm. um and i remember like you know we we were on a, a group text um a bunch of us and like you know a, a, a guy that we texted with was there and like he was you know sending in like the mark like the the songs as they played them it was it was fucking wild. <laughs> yeah so uh yeah man that was I'm with you, Levi. Those those are my favorite crow shows. Yeah, nice for sure, man. Nice, it's good stuff. All right, well, I'll close out the evening uh, with another Georgia musician. Uh, so I, I believe I once dubbed Kevin Kenny the poet laureate of rock and roll Shinzuchu. Nice. <laughs> I, I still agree with that, <laughs> and I, I, yeah. I stand by yeah, it. Here, here. Yeah, um, uh, you know, Kevin <clears throat> Kenny uh, is uh, you know he's a, he, first of all he's a founding member and lead singer of Driving and Crying. For those who don't know, uh, a rock and roll band formed in '85 in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, and Kevin is a unique mix of punk, hippie, and blue collar sympathizer. Um, <laughs> He'll, he'll write poetic stanzas with abstract symbolism, followed by lyrics about life's simple bummers like breaking your shoelace and being late for work. And, <laughs> and that's my favorite thing about Kevin Kenny. His mind is just as likely to be in the clouds of social idealism as it is reflecting on the cold reality of the assembly line. Right. And his songs, you know, whether they're rooted in punk, rock or folk, can fill an arena on a Saturday night just as easily blend into the local chatter at a tavern down the street on a Tuesday. So while Kevin's greatest notoriety came in the late 80s and early 90s with songs like Straight to Hell and Fly Me Courageous, his output since stands up to his peers and remains timeless, in my opinion. So if you aren't familiar, I recommend starting with the Driving and Crying releases of Smoke and Wrapped in Sky, segue into Kevin's solo releases of The Flower and the Knife and my personal favorite, 
broken hearts and auto parts. Um, while I, I don't listen to Kevin as much as I used to, I still take great comfort in knowing uh, he is there waiting to offer his very robust and calming perspective whenever I need it, even during his regular broadcasts during the coronavirus isolation. So, Kevin Kenny, ladies and gentlemen, check him out. Well oh, yeah. put. Well, well stated. Suntangled Revival is awesome too. Oh my God! Yeah, I listened or, to that. Did I forget week. it? Is it Suntangled Angel Revival? Did I did I miss a word in there? Uh, yeah, the angels. Um, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. I yeah, it's got listen. Dave Schools playing bass on that album. Oh, oh yeah, nice. you're right. I didn't know that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just yeah. listened. I have Mystery Road on vinyl. It's kind of one of my sure. It's nice. not a it's not a white whale, but it's a tough it's a tough record to find on vinyl, like Is an it? original copy of Mystery yeah. Road. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, I was just listening to it the other day, dude. I can listen to Honeysuckle Blue like nine million times in a row, sure. yeah. and I would be like, hit play again. <laughs> like, I, dude, that song gets me. It just gets to me. I don't know, man. I love that fucking song, and it's I don't know if it's like the. He's got a way with, like you said, the blue collar melancholiness type mm-hmm. of, a, of, a, of a lyric. Yeah. And man, dude, it's just uh, one of the greatest lines of all, oh, man, lost and found and lost again. But right. right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I've been uh, I've been listening to a lot of them over the last couple of weeks and uh, it's it stands up, man, like. It, it, it wasn't a phase that I went through, you know, from like 05 to, uh, or for, I should say from like 02 to 2012. It like, yeah. it still gets me every time I listen to it. And, I feel like uh, him and he and Todd Snyder are kind of carrying on the John Prine torch, you know, sure, a little bit. Sure. Um, yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, one, one of my favorite, uh, real quick, and, and we'll be out. Uh, one of my favorite Kevin Kenny moments was I saw him play solo at a very, at a, at a, at just this dive in Kansas city. And, um, I went, I went there early and, uh, it was during the NCAA tournament, uh, back when they played sports and, uh, uh, uh he was, he was sitting at the bar playing like video poker, <laughs> just wa- drinking, drinking PBRs like before they, it was ironic. Right. And, uh, and 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 watching and watching the watching the NCAA basketball games and um, so I just I went up and sat next to him and, and he said what do you want to when do you want to hear and, and I said oh if you could play time that would be great and uh, time being one of one of his newer cuts and and so his entire set was solo I believe except for time at which point he had to bring out. Sarah Lee Guthrie's drummer to play percussion um, be, uh, because time has this metronome like percussion on it. And other than that, his entire set was solo, except for the song I requested. <laughs> he had, he had awesome. to get some, some reinforcements. So awesome, I, I was dude. very appreciative of that. Nice. <laughs> dude, sometimes those yeah. shows and those little clubs like that can just be the best, man. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. there, there weren't 50 people there. Dude, I had an experience like that in St. Louis probably about 10 years ago with, of all people, Michael Monroe from Hanoi Rocks. Huh. And he's, fucking, he's, he's awesome, dude. dude. Yeah, go ahead, though. Sorry. He played this little dive bar in St. Louis, and like I bet there wasn't, like Jonathan said, 40, 50 people yeah. tops. And, dude, he fucking rocked. And he was so cool. He came like just down and was talking to everybody, signing autographs, and just... He, what's so great was we were standing out front when he pulled up. 
he pulled up in a hotel van, like, you know, like the crown yeah, plot right. shuttle yeah. van or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so he got out and at first I thought it was a girl because he still <laughs> teases his hair. And yeah. right. His hair is like right. still huge. And then a girl who looked just like him got out with him. It was like his date. It was like this girl with huge hair. That's great. <laughs> so, oh, classic. Yeah, he bust out the saxophone? Oh, dude, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Dude, yeah. the guy could play the sax, yeah. I, I, I On that note, Levi, I, I heard a DJ, I think it was, I think it, they played him on, God, maybe Underground Garage on Sirius. Okay. Um, and and they played either a Hanoi Rocks tune or or uh, a Michael Monroe tune. I can't remember. And the 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 DJ was kind of describing them as as you did, Michael. And he's like, "There's a guy that just has kept it real his whole nice. career. He's like, he's like, I don't care if I'm fucking broke. I'm just gonna." fucking look like this forever and stay skinny and fucking, you know, like, Oh just, yeah, dude, just, he looks like straight yeah, off like, of an album cover, like from back yeah, in the day, like, like still had eyeliner me. on still, you know, it was, yeah, just, he was rock real deal. Old, yeah. 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 Right and the, the, I'm not, I'm doing a poor job of paraphrasing, but this DJ really, and your story there just really captured, uh, his a essence. Lot. Cause, uh, that guy's, that guy's the real deal. A lot of people were predicting them to be huge. And then yeah. Raz, the drummer, died, obviously, in the car crash with Vince Neil, yeah. and then, boom, the band was done. Mm. Vince Neil seems like a really terrible person, I'm going to be honest. <laughs> like, um, like, yeah, yeah, Vince Neil seems like, because, like, Vince Neil was, like, got DUIs after that, too. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. motherfucker, you can't call a cab? Really? Yeah. You know, yeah. seriously. Yeah, yeah. Vince Neil seems like a real piece of shit from what I, uh, from what I gather. But anyway. <laughs> There goes Vince. Not getting Vince on the show. We just Vince lost anymore. our crew followers. Yeah. In that fight that was brewing in the 80s, I would have taken Axel anyway. We want the so. Hanoi followers anyway. Yeah, that's right. That's right. They were. Uh, yeah. You can, you can argue that they were like the crew that didn't get as big, you know? Like. I, the potential I mean, was there. Yeah, even, you yeah. can even argue like they're a fucking better band, quite frankly. A lot of people, like I said, because. A, they had a little bit more. If you look, they did. They had more musical talent than Motley Crue, especially were, with yeah. him. I mean, a guy with blown out hair rocking a saxophone in in a band and in, in like that in the eighties. That was so unique. You it know was, what I mean? Dude, they were they were like an eighties New York Dolls. You know, I mean, because like the New York Dolls kind of had that bop too. You know what yeah. I mean? Like the New York Dolls were kind of like nineteen fifties revivalist almost. Yeah. You know. And like Hanoi Rocks carried some of that, and then you know some of the other bands that came after them, like Poison and stuff. You know they they kind of moved away from that, and obviously you know it 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 sounded more synthetic. But yeah, no, they're they're Hanoi Rocks kicks ass, man. Yeah. All right, I'll spend some Good tomorrow. Stuff, guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All righty, boys. Well, um, I always feel much better after I rap with these cats, and I hope you enjoyed listening to us as well. Um, check us out on rockchew.com. Got the whole archives there as well as other fun stuff. Follow us on the Instagram and the Twitter at rockinchew. And uh, also, um, yeah, check us out on YouTube. Like us on Facebook. Tell all your friends. And uh, we will keep this countdown going during our next episode. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Hang in there. Hopefully we'll all get through this together and everybody gets out on the other side. All right. Yeah, stay safe. Stay here. healthy. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> <Hey, laughs> what's that? 
What's my that? motorcycle's here. <laughs> <laughs> Gabe says my ride's here. I'm out. <laughs>